God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we come to you, Lord, with, Lord, hearts thirsty for more of you, for your word, for your truths, to penetrate our heart, to change our lives, Lord, to affect, Lord, our everyday existence here on earth, for you have a purpose and plan for each of us. So, Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would move today, Lord God, by your grace and in your mercy, and we ask it for Shem Yeshua, and everyone said, Amen. We're in our series, Making a Difference in the World. How many believe that your life was meant and created to make a difference in the world? Of course it was. And today I'll be speaking specifically about how to make a difference through failure. It sounds counterintuitive, right? Because we're used to hearing about successful people and people that succeed. And people that are successful and succeed never tell us about their failures. Right, so we're always under the you know the, the uh, illusion that they were successful from pillar to post, and then we look at our lives and we get discouraged. Well, and we think that these are the people that are the real difference makers in the world, and and you know what? I I just got the short end of the stick, and it's true that ultimately the fact is that success is important, but we need to realize and understand that success comes through failure. The reason why it might sound unusual to us is because if that's true, if success comes from failure, then each and every one of us, in the sound of my voice, has the potential to change the world. And we usually disqualify ourselves because of our failures and our shortcomings. Who among us hasn't failed? We all fail, and depending on our attitude toward failure, that will be the determining factor in our ability to change the world or not. It's not because we fail, but it's what we do after we fail that is important. So uh, something from Leadership Magazine written by J. Wallace Hamilton, he said this, The increase of suicides, alcoholics, and even some forms of nervous breakdowns is evidence that many people are training for success when they should be training for failure. Failure is far more common than success. Poverty is more prevalent than wealth, and disappointment more normal than arrival. You see, if that's the case, then we should be ready to deal and overcome the failures that happen in our lives. Kyle Roach Jr. said this, There is no doubt in my mind that there are many ways to be a winner, but there is really only one way to be a loser, and that is to fail and not look beyond the failure. I want to tell you some of the greatest men and women of God in the scripture failed. Including the great Moshe Rabbeinu. We must remember that the death of Messiah on the tree of sacrifice looked like an utter, complete, and total failure. 
It looked like a failure to the Romans. It looked like a failure to the Jewish community. And it even looked like a failure to his closest Talmudim. Let's face it. It looked like a game over, never coming back from event. Right? But when what looked like and felt like a failure, that set the stage for the most significant miraculous event in human history. Selah. What people deemed as a failure set the stage to change world history. Why did that happen? Well, it happened because of Yeshua's attitude. The scripture says, For the joy set before him, he endured the sacrifice of himself on the tree, scorning its shame. Yeshua looked past what would be perceived as failure, and he kept on course in the program of God. Now I want to encourage you that you also need to keep on course in the program of God, even though you may fail. And some might fail more than others, but for every success, know this, that there were many, many failures. And the people that we admire as great successes, both in the scripture and in the world, have failed many, many times. I want to read from Messianic Jews, book of Hebrews, chapter 12 verses 1 through 3, but I want to read it in the message translation because I think it's really um, pretty cool. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it, strip down, start running, and never say quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Yeshua who both began and finished this race that we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish line in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. His sacrificial death, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourself floundering in your faith, go over that story again item by item that long litany of hostility he plowed through that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. And some of us need a lot of adrenaline to be shot through our souls. Because there's some of us in this room, man, that have just lost the wind in their sails. And it could be in your life, it could be in your career, it could be in your marriage, it could be in your walk with God. Some people have just flat out lost the wind in their sails. And Yeshua wants to encourage you today that you might be down, you might have got um, hit a few bumps in the road and maybe you stumble and fell, but God wants to see you through to success. Note this, that every failure is one step closer to success. You know, even as we read through the the Parshas, and we read through Mishpatim this week, prayerfully he did that, and the Haftarot, and and the Brit Kadashah readings, you know, we find within those, those encouragements and those instructions by God that, yes, we don't always keep them totally. We fail. And if we think that every time we fail, God kicks us to the curb, you're gravely mistaken. 
John Maxwell, in his book, Failing Forward, first of all, I want to encourage you, you should read a lot. Can I encourage you to read a lot? Because, you know, you spend too, far too much time in front of the TV. That TV ain't giving you nothing. Trust me. You should read some more. You should read some more of the scriptures. You should read some more of uh, inspiring, faith-filled books to encourage your spirit because you need it. That was extra. He wrote this. I want to help you train for failure. Ah! The point, that sounds counterintuitive, right, to us. I want to help you train for failure. I want you to learn how to confidently look the prospect of failure in the eye and move forward anyway. Because in life, the question is not if you will have problems, but how you are going to deal with your problems. Anyone have problems in this room? Or is it just me? Are you going to fail forward or backward? That's the name of his book, <laughs> Failing Forward. Are you going to fail forward or backward? God has called us. Say, God has called me. You need to, you know, some of us need to hear these words. Look in the mirror and say, God has called me to make a difference in the world. But in order to do that, we must learn to plow through and demolish the failures that come our way straight through to victory. In order to do this, we must understand the different kinds of failures. First off, we have moral or scriptural failures. Failing to obey the word of God or the principles of God. Failing to apply the word of God will only leave the believer ever chasing his or her proverbial tail. Because people want to better their lives, but they seem they can't get out of the rut. And you want to know they're following their tail because there's some issues in their life that needs to be taken care of first. You see, moral failure, for instance, can leave someone in dire straits, really, which can have far-reaching consequences on their lives, but not only their lives, their family lives, their children's lives. I just want to tell you the way it is. You know, when a man starts going down the road of getting, uh, uh, watching internet things that are inappropriate and it leads down the road of watching in, in, in websites that you shouldn't be at, that starts immediately to bring moral decay into your life and into your family. Moral and scriptural failures, hear me, must be addressed through repentance. Last week, Rabbi Carroll talked to us about repentance. It's a great word. It is a gift from heaven. Say repentance is a gift from heaven, because it is. God has given us repentance that we don't have to die and be smote by the power of God. But instead, we could turn to him and say, God, forgive me. I failed in keeping your Torah. I failed. God, be merciful to me. When David should have been out in the battlefield, he decided to stay home and commit adultery with Bathsheba. And then he plotted the murder of her husband. To be clear, 
No one is beyond the mercies of God. Do you hear me? No one, no matter how you failed or what you did, no one in this room is beyond the mercies of God. As David experienced firsthand, right? And although this type of failure can leave a person truly discouraged and dejected, once we turn back to God and his principles through real repentance, guess what comes? Restoration comes. Then there's failure due to a wrong view of success, which produces guilt. Anyone ever feel guilty? So many people walk around with guilt and shame. Many people have labored faithfully in the service of God, yet feel guilty because they don't have the quote-unquote success that others might have. But that by no means indicates that they are failures. A biblical illustration is Isaiah. Listen, right from the beginning, after seeing the Lord high and lifted up, how many of us would love to see that? Right? And his glory filled the temple and the train of his robe. After saying, Hineni, here I am, God, send me. God sent him to declare the word of the Lord to the people that did not listen. And he knew that, you know, beforehand, that they wouldn't. In the eyes of the people, he was a failure. But in the eyes of God, he was a success. Ultimately, doing God's will is the pathway to a successful life. Hear me. If you're doing what God called you to do, it doesn't matter what people think about you. All you and I need to focus on is, are we doing what God has asked of us? This is what will determine our success in his eyes. Then the last type of failure we have is failure. Now listen to this, from thinking we are success, successful when we're not. Right? There's another class of failure. Those who mistakenly believe they are successes. These believers may earn an honest living and be fine supporters of the community of faith. They unconsciously or sometimes all too consciously consider themselves examples for others to follow. Yet they don't realize that from God's perspective they are failures. One man put it this way, I climbed the ladder of success only to discover my ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. Because sometimes we measure success by the standards of the world instead of by the standards of God. And perhaps because we have a great 401k or money in the bank, or we have have a big-time job and we go to work in a suit and tie and talk to important people, we think we're successful. Or we have influence over people, even within a congregational setting in the kingdom of God. But the truth is, God determines our success based on our obedience. Say obedience. Obedience. 
to Him. I want to say that in the kingdom of God, obedience is king, yes? It's important not to think too highly of ourselves, but rather faithfully serve Adonai and allowing Him to reward us with what? A closer relationship with Him. If you're in this for anything other than a closer relationship with Yeshua, you're in it for the wrong things. He's the pearl of great price. He is the end-all, be-all, the goal of our faith. There's nothing better than him. There's nothing to be added onto that is better than that. So if you're in it for other things, we need to maybe readjust. Because I want to say this, he is more than enough. Not judging ourselves by our own standards, but God's. Heaven will be filled with surprises. Many, quote-unquote, successful believers will be nobodies, and some whose lives are strewn with the wreckage of one failure after another will be great in the kingdom of God. Right? The scripture says, in Matthew Yahu chapter 20 and verse 16, and this is from the, again, message translation. I don't know why. Grip me this week. Here it is again, the great reversal. Many of the first ending up last, and the last first. That's true. That's what the scripture says. That there are going to be many who think they're on course because they are self-proclaimed successes that are going to find themselves last. And they're going to be those who just faithfully did whatever God called them to do in their little circle. That could be God called you to be a housewife and faithfully pray and intercede for the body of Messiah. And you will be ahead of the people who were the bigwigs in the kingdom of God. Figure that. And the reason this happens is usually due to faulty comparisons. Corinthians 2nd tells us this, for we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. But when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they have no understanding. Another translation says they are unwise. Make no mistake, we will be measured by God and the calling that he's called each of us to. See, too often we want to walk in someone else's calling instead of our own. God has called each of us and we should spend time seeking out what he wants for our lives and spend every day being faithful to that. If we do this, we can be assured that we will hit the mark. Could someone do me a favor, board member? Take the heat down. Okay, because listen, you know, I'm always looking to lose weight, but I might be 10 pounds lighter by the end of the sermon. So. And plus, I see people getting sl- the, the, the heat sleep coming on. Rav Shaul encourages us. He says, be imitators of me just as I also am of Messiah. Let me ask you this question. Are you imitating Messiah in your life? When you wake up in the morning, do you say, I'm going to go to work, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to go do what i got to do, and I am going to imitate what I think the Word of God says Yeshua would do? 
that's a pretty good standard to go by, right? So no matter how we fail, if we are diligent, we will come to understand that. Now listen to me. Victory, say victory, is on the other side of failure because God is for us. Say God is for me. God is for me. No, no, some people can't even say it. Say God is for me. I'm blessed by God. That's what the scripture says. We're blessed of God. But yet some of us can't even bring ourselves to say, we can't get it out of our mouths. And part of it is because we have failed. Maybe you failed in your mind or in your heart or in your actions. I want you to know that victory is on the other side of failure. God's incredible chesed, rachamim, and forgiveness will get us past every failure. By doing that, we understand it is not us. It's not us. It's not our great works that God responds to. It is God in and through us. It's God in us. God in us. We may have to live with the consequences of some of our failures or sins, yet God continues to love us in Messiah and use us for his purposes because of grace. We could see this in one of the great failures in Scripture. There are a lot of great failures in Scripture, by the way. I know, we only emphasize the great successes. But there are a lot of great failures, and I want to just simply talk about one today. Kepha told Yeshua that he would never deny him. You remember that? He said no matter what happened, that he, Kepha, would not fail Yeshua. He said no matter what. And we all know when crunch time came, in fact, Kepha didn't deny him once. He didn't deny him twice. He denied him three times. An epic fail. And Kepha was left deeply distraught and distressed by his own failure. And then, in a moment of time, he gets his chance to make it right with Yeshua. And we read about the encounter in Yochanan's Besorah. So, after fishing all night, Yeshua calls to them from the shore to let down the nets again. Yochanan figures, it out, figures out that it's Yeshua. Well, when Kepha heard that it was Yeshua, he grabbed his garment, which makes no sense, right? He puts on his garment and then jumps in the water and starts swimming toward the shore. Probably should have left the garment off. It would have been an easier swim. But he was so excited to get to Yeshua that he could fix this grave wrong that he know he did. And he swims to shore. And now I'm going to pick up starting in verse 15 of Yochanan 21. After breakfast, Yeshua said to Shimon Kepha, Shimon bar Yochanan, do you love me more than these? He replied, yes, Lord, you know I'm your friend. He said to him, feed my lambs. lambs." A second time he said to him, Shimon bar Yochanan, do you love me? He replied, yes, Lord, you know I'm your friend. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. The third time he said to him, Shimon bar Yochanan, are you my friend? Shimon was hurt that he questioned him a third time. That you are my friend. So he replied, Lord, you know everything. You know I'm your friend. Yeshua said to him, feed my sheep. In this exchange, 
Many scholars debate the significance of the different Greek words used here for love. This translation does a great job in translating the Greek word phileo as friend. Now, it is, does mean love, but it's like a friendship type of love. Most translations just trans- translate it love. The exchange goes like this. Do you agapeo me? And Kepha responds, I phileo you. The next exchange, do you agapeo me? And again, Kepha responds, I phileo you. And then the third time, Yeshua says, do you phileo me? And he says, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Now, whatever you might think of the significance of those words, this we can be assured, that Yeshua is showing Kepha that he still loves him, that he still has a plan for his life. And because Kepha blew it in an epic fashion, that did not in any way diminish God's love and call on his life. And some of us need to, matter of fact, we all need to know that because you know what? Whether everything is just humming along right now, or if you're in the midst of a failure, there will come a time when we will fail God. We will fail our family. We will fail our children. And that we have to remember, just because we fail, it doesn't make us a failure. And that more importantly, God still loves us. The same can be said, right? In those times, in those times when we fail them, I don't know, don't you feel distraught and dejected when you fail to obey God? It just doesn't feel great. You ever go into something, maybe a family thing, and you say, you tell God, I'm going to keep my cool, 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 no matter what they say, I'm going to keep my cool. And the second you go in, someone says something, and you lose your cool. And you're like, oh my gosh, Lord, I've been praying about that for three weeks. I've been praying for this encounter for three weeks to keep my cool, to keep my cool, to keep my cool, and I lost it again. God, there's something wrong with me. God, I'm no good. We go down that road, don't we? There's something majorly flawed inside me, God. And then we start to think, well, how could God, what, am I going to pray tomorrow now? Am I going to go ahead and pray and think that he is going to hear my voice after what I just did? Or maybe it's at a function where you want to share the best surah with your family and you think, no, 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 he can't use me now. I just blew it the second I walked in the door. But I want you to know that is not the truth. The truth is that when we fail, God wants us to get up and to move past our failure and move ahead in his calling and purpose for our life. He knows we're just flesh and blood, that we're weak. But each of us must answer the same question as Kepha. Will we get up from failure? Dust ourselves off and continue to follow him. 
Will we prevail like Kepha did and move past failure and continue to follow Yeshua in our lives and change the world? That's ultimately God's purpose for us, to change the world. Well, Rabbi, that sounds so grandiose. No, change the world. If you change one person that you work with, you don't know the rippling effects that might have. They come to faith, and then their children come to faith, and their children's children come to faith, and then they come to faith. One person could lead hundreds to know the Lord. But the enemy wants to keep us from all that by thinking that we're just failures and losers. The last area I want us to understand and learn from is this. Turning failures into lessons for growth and change. How many people want to grow in God? We think we grow when everything is going great. King of the mountain. I'm just doing awesome. My family's awesome. My prayer life's awesome. Everything's awesome. But I want to tell you, that's not where we grow. We grow when we're in the valley. Failures remind us of the consequences of our decisions. We reap what we sow. Don't you hate that verse? (laughs) Only when it's working against you, you hate it. It's the law of the harvest. You reap what you sow. You reap after you sow, and you reap more than you sow. It's the three laws of the harvest. They're awesome. It's built into creation. Failures remind us of what can go wrong, and they should serve to make us careful but they should not be allowed to paralyze us. You hear me? Some people are paralyzed. I made a mistake with my family. That's it. I'm going to go and not say anything. That's the wrong move. Go and be you, how God created you to be. Also, failures can show us what we should and should not do. They become lessons to learn from that show us where we went wrong and why. We all know the saying that hindsight is twenty twenty, right? How many of us would like to just reverse it 10 years? And say, man, if I could, right? I don't know, there are a lot of time uh, travel shows on TV that my kids like to watch. Would you like to go back maybe at one point in your life, just change one thing, little tweak, Maybe one little tweak. Because hindsight is 2020. It can help us avoid making the same mistake twice if we will learn. Say, God, I'm teachable. Oh boy, God, I'm teachable in Yeshua's name. Because I'll tell you what, if you're not teachable, you might end up making the same mistakes over and over and oh, and there is nothing worse than that. Those children, right? B'nai Israel, going around and around the mountain, going in the wilderness over and over and over again. When God wanted that 11-day journey.
Listen to this story. This is pretty cool. Thomas Edison invented the microphone, the phonograph, the incandescent light, the storage battery, talking movies, and more than 1,000 other things. December 1914, he had worked for 10 years on the storage battery. This had greatly strained his finances. This particular evening, spontaneous combustion had broken out in the film room. Within minutes, all the packing compounds, celluloid for records and film, and other flammable goods were in flames. Fire companies from eight surrounding towns arrived, but the heat was so intense and the water pressure so low that the attempt to douse the flames was futile. Everything was destroyed. And guess what? Thomas Edison was 67 years old. With all his assets going up in flames, although the damage exceeded $2 million, his buildings were only insured for $200,000 because they were made of concrete, which was thought to be fireproof. The question was, would his spirit be broken? The inventor's 24-year-old son, Charles, searched frantically for his father and finally found him, calmly watching the fire, his face glowing in the reflection, his white hair blowing in the wind. And he said, my heart ached for him, said Charles. He was 67, no longer a young man, and everything was going up in flames. When he saw me, he shouted, Charles, where's your mother? When I told him, I didn't know. He said, find her, bring her here. She will never see anything like this again as long as she lives. The next morning, Edison looked at the ruins and said, listen to this, there is great value in disaster. All our mistakes are burned up. Isn't that something? Wow, what an outlook. Most of us would be huddled in the corner. (laughs) Wow. All our mistakes burned up. Thank God, he said, we could start anew. Three weeks after the fire, Edison managed to deliver the first phonograph. The lesson we learn from failures should make us better able to handle the situation the second and the third time around. Because God is eager to give us forgiveness and strength, and the only way to lose is to give up. And you need to purpose in your heart that you are never, ever going to give up on God, that you're never going to give up on His calling on your life, you're never going to give up on your family, you're never going to give up, period. And if that's your attitude, guess what? I know that you will succeed. We can grow through failure by coming to understand and act on certain scriptural principles. We must understand, hear this, that we are accepted by Adonai based on his chesed and rachamim, his mercy and grace, not based on our performance. Do you hear that? Based on his mercy and his grace. Ephesians tells us that he made us accepted in the beloved. We must understand that. We must understand that we are human, and as a result, 
We are not perfect and never will be perfect. Husbands need to understand your wife isn't perfect, although mine is. Men, that was free. Ecclesiastes or Kohelet says, There is not a righteous man on earth who continually does good and never sins. We must understand that. We must understand that Adonai still has a plan for our lives. When we fail, we must remind ourselves of this truth. Yeshua is not through with us just because we fail. So we need to get up and get on with his plan. Look what Tehillim 138.8 says. Adonai will fulfill, say will fulfill, his purpose for me. Your loving kindness, Adonai, endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. So when we fail, some of the lessons we can learn is to acknowledge our failures and refuse to hide behind any kind of justification or excuses. I'm going to tell you, the second you justify it, there goes the lesson. <laughs> there goes that lesson. You know, instead of saying, God, I blew it, it was me. When you do that, God said, okay, great, I'm going to work with you. But as soon as we blame or excuse it away or blame someone else, no, didn't learn. And you know what the likelihood that we'll make that same mistake again? Very likely. We realize that failure is a part of progress. Do you want, to pro- you want to progress in your life? Guess what? You need to learn and be trained how to overcome failure then. It's part of progress. So let me tell you, if I could say this to you, that your life is going to go like this in this next year, you're going to take 10 steps forward and nine steps back every single day. Would you sign up for that? You should, because that means every day you'll gain a step and be closer to your goal. See, we don't understand. We think that people that are successful, both in the scripture and in general, that they just took 10 steps forward every day, and it was just great every day. That is not true. Look at Thomas Edison. His whole life, 67 years old, and it just poof, up in smoke. Look at Moshe. His whole calling of God was to see our people brought out of Egypt, success, but into the promised land. Fail. He didn't get to do it. but he laid the framework and the foundation for Yehoshua Joshua to succeed. So if I were to tell you every week of your life is going to be, or every day is going to be 10 steps forward and nine steps back, I want you to say, God, I sign up for that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. I'm going to do it. 
And every day, you'll be one step closer to where you're going to ultimately be. And sometimes we need to understand that sometimes some things just didn't work. And that's okay. Just didn't work out. Didn't work. It went wrong. It failed. Big deal. Not everything you do is going to succeed. Like I said, you might try ten things and nine fail, but one succeed. Who cares? Keep going. Keep going. We need to keep going, persevering, being confident of Adonai's forgiveness, putting our failures behind us, count and rest in his mercy and his forgiveness, and refuse to use failure as an excuse for morbid introspection, pessimism, self-pity, depression, and fear of moving on with the Lord. I'm going to say that again. It's a mouthful, but let me tell you, some of you are right in that little wheelhouse. Stop using and refuse to use failure as an excuse for morbid introspection, pessimism, self-pity, depression, and fear of moving on for the Lord. My scripture says that all things are possible with God. Not some things, not only the things that I can understand, or even only the things I believe in. Because I'm going to tell you right now, God believes in way more than I believe in. And all things are possible with God. That's just the truth. So maybe you're facing a situation right now. I want you to know all things are possible. Don't believe the lies of darkness. Don't believe the past failure you might have had in the same area. Oh, oh, Rabbi, I tried that a million times. It is just not meant for me. Listen, put yourself in Moshe's shoes. You try dealing with one to two million of our Jewish brethren. Convection, complaining. Man, Egypt was great. I mean, you think of Moshe, what? You're kidding me, right? No, Egypt was great. Leeks, garlic. But you were a slave. <laughs> but it was great. But they're complaining against his leadership. Oh, there's Moshe. He just led us out into this wilderness so we could die of thirst and hunger. You know what Moshe is saying? Man, this looks like a failure. He goes up to the mountain, 40 days, right? He's in the glory of God, man. This is rocking now. Things are really moving now. Moshe comes down with, with the tablets written by the finger of Almighty God. He comes down, and there they are, worshiping a golden calf. Know what he probably thought? Uh, he got angry, threw him down, broke him. He had to go up again for another 40 days. By the way, if you don't like to pray and fast, don't read the life of Moshe. 40 days, praying and fasting before God comes down, boop, back up, 40 days. A 
Kind of makes Yom Kippur really easy, doesn't it? After Yom Kippur, we're like, look at God, forgive me. I don't have strength. I missed two meals. <laughs> I got about 100 meals in me, probably. I could go, probably like a camel. Put me, put me in, the, in the desert. I'm probably good for 100 days. Amazing. Oh, my goodness. I'll tell you this. The people who rarely fail are usually the ones that never do anything. They never do anything for God. They never do anything in life because they're so petrified by failure. A young girl practicing figure skating to compete in the Olympics was told by her teacher, if you don't fail while practicing, then you're not learning enough to be a true champion. People will do things, people who do things will fall But if they are true champions, they will get up again. For to fall is not to fail, unless you fail to get up again. You hear that? To fall is not to fail. To fall is not to fail. To stumble is not to fail, unless you pack in the towel. That's the only time we fail, is when we pack in the towel. Don't do it. Tehillim 145.14 says, The Lord upholds, hear this, all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. Because I know many of us think we're the exception to every rule. The Lord upholds all who fall and all who are bowed down. So, so here we are in conclusion we're transformed. Right? I hope you transformed. Have you been born anew by the Spirit of God? Did you accept the Messiah or Yeshua and his Messiahship? Did you decide to leave your own life and follow his? Well, if you did, you've been born anew. And if you're born anew, that means you're transformed and called to make a difference in the world. So we make a difference in the world through failure most of the time or all of the time by understanding the different types of failure and then dealing with it appropriately. Some of you need to repent. I'll just say that. Some of you need to just repent. It's a good word. Some of you need to repent. I'll tell you what for. Unbelief. You don't believe. Do you know what the Bible calls us? I'm just going to throw it out there. I know it's crazy. Believers. But you don't believe anything as it pertains to your real life. You read about it and you believe that it happened, but you don't believe it. And yet the Bible calls us believers in the living God. Well, if we're believers, that means that we believe. Just throw it out there. Some of us need to repent of unbelief. Some of us need to repent of making some bad choices. And then some of us need to readjust what we think success is. 
Your success is not based on what anyone else does. Your success is based on what God has called you to do, period. And stop looking at everyone else and saying, oh, this one and that one. Who cares? The only thing that matters is you and God, what he's called you to do, what he's leading you to do, only. And then lastly, victory is on the other side of failures because God is for us. And learning from failures will bring growth and change if we do that. If we don't keep making the same mistakes over and over and over and over again, learn from them. Accept God's forgiveness, his mercy, and move forward. Amen? Let's stand. Man, wouldn't it be great if life, you just started, came out of the womb, and just you were just successful from pillar to post? Wow. That would be a dream. A dream. Not reality, <laughs> but a dream. But God hasn't made it that way. And so we live our life, we fail. But with the help of God, we get up and we move forward and we fulfill his call in our life. If you're game for that, there's nothing you can't do. There's nothing you can't accomplish and you will succeed in fulfilling your purpose. Stretch forth your hand. Yesar Adonai panavilecha yesimlecha shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would bless your people, Lord, with strength. God, that you would prosper the work of their hands. Lord, that you would keep them in total and complete health. Lord, that you would pursue them and overtake them with your great love, that you would do exceedingly abundantly above all that they ask or imagine in Yeshua's name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Shabbat shalom.